Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Got some good news going on here this morning. And I know a lot of you weren't here last week, but we ended on a a note of hope that he who began a good work in you, he's going to take it all the way to glory. And I had this really complicated graph. And we can put up that first graph there, really complicated. Um, Let's see it. Yeah, there we go. Here's your journey from conversion to glory. And I'm telling you this, I, I, I really wished it worked like that, but it doesn't. Let's look at the next graph. This is more like my journey and your journey. We have these little ups and downs, ups and downs where we have to trust the Lord and obey the Lord and trust him and obey him. And it's hard times, but he is going to take us home because he who started a good work in you will bring it all the way to the day of Christ Jesus. Now here's the deal. Until we get there, we have tension. And the tension is we still struggle with sin, which tends to attack our hope, tends to try to dominate our life. And, and, but you know, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to make it there one day, but we, we struggle. Now, here's the question we need to ask is, is sin going to overtake me or overcome me in this life? Another way to say it, should I just expect that until I'm with Jesus, I'm just going to be this guy or this girl who's addicted to a variety of sins and I'm doomed to fail every day until I'm with Jesus? And the answer is no. And that's why I want to give you some hope this morning. You can have hope that you can walk with victory in Jesus, that you should actually have superabounding expectations and the superabounding grace of God, that you can live a life in victory. Because if you did not have hope, then I'd just say to you, you're stuck in your sin and you're just going to keep doing the same stupid things over and over again and see you later. But there is hope in Jesus that we can actually change by his grace. And that's what we're going to look at today. It's not going to be the most exciting at portions today because we're going to talk about uh, our, our ruin in Adam, the rescue we have in Jesus, and the reign that we can have of him uh, in, in Christ. So let's go ahead and do this. Let's start with the bad news of ruin. Romans 5, starting verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. How did our world get so evil? Well, it started with a real, by the way, real historical figure, this guy named Adam. This is, my, this is probably not news to you. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He broke the command of God and sinned. And Paul says, death through sin. 
Now, what are we talking about when we say death? Are we talking about spiritual death, physical death? Because Adam ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit, but he didn't die immediately when he was separated from God and kicked out of the garden. And, and then he later died. But it seems that when we're talking about death here, it's both a spiritual death and separation from God and, and a physical death. And this spiritual and physical death has spread to all of us because as the word says, spread to all men because all sin. So the idea here is corporate identity and headship, which may be hard for us to grasp since we, we're very individualistic even in our sins, like I'm accountable for my own sin and me alone. And that's true. But you need to understand that, that Paul's making this argument here because Adam's sin, we've all have sinned, all right? All of us are in Adam equal opportunity sinners. He's our representative. He sinned. We've all sinned. It's our shared history together. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about your, your lineage. I don't know if you've ever done any research on your, your last name. Well, I had some relatives do some research on my last name, Lancaster, and they did, you know, DNA tests. You, you send it in, and it was determined that they tracked us to the house of Lancaster. And that name was a major part of the War of Roses between the house of Lancaster and the house of York. Basically what I'm saying is that I'm royalty. (laughs) What? I am. But I want to tell you what I knew growing up. All I knew growing up is that my grandparents and their parents were from the sticks of Texas. That's all I knew. We would go for family reunions in that glorious large town of Mejia, Texas. Look it up. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if I'm royalty or not. All I know is country folk in Texas is the history that I know. Now, some of you may have sent in the DNA test and you've tried to done all the ancestor, but let me, let me just save you a lot of time and money and just let you know about your history. Your history traces all the way back to Adam. It does, all of us, and it's shared, and we're all corrupted in sin. It says, sin has spread to all men because all sin. And you're no different than Adam. I know you like to think that if you were in the garden with Adam and Eve and whoever you are, and you saw Adam eating the fruit, you would say, man, what are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. Don't you know that you're not supposed to disobey God? Stop eating the fruit. Now that wouldn't be you. You would be there and saying, can I have a bite? It's true. We're all corrupted in Adam. We've all experienced this death, this separation from God, and we're all going to one day die physically. Verse 13 and 14. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. How can you have sin without breaking the commandments, like the Ten Commandments? I mean, even Adam had a a commandment, don't eat 
from the tree and he, he broke that. But, but how can sin be really sin if people don't have commandments? Think back to the universal flood. That was before the law, right? Think, think back to Sodom and, and Gomorrah. Those are stories before the law was given. So how do we know it's still sin even before the law was given? <laughs> Well, we can know it's still sin because people still die. They still died, even though it says their sin wasn't counted. In the sense, they did not transgress a revealed law, and yet they still sinned and died to say that with or without the law, humanity in Adam is ruined and all will die. That's our ruin. That's our reality. That's our shared history. But it's not the end of the story because we are said that here it says that there's going to be another Adam, a type of the one who was to come. There's going to be this second Adam. There's going to be this new representative to rescue us from the ruin and that is Jesus. And here we move on to the rescue. And before we jump into the text, I want to give you some little idea. I want you to think about the contrast, all right? I want you to think about the contrast between Adam's trespass and the gift of grace in Jesus. Can you do that for me? So just get your categories thinking. That's, that's our title. We're going to go between the trespass of Adam and, and we're going to contrast that with the gift of the grace in Jesus. That's our header. All right, verse 15, let's go. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God in the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So here's the first thing as we contrast the two. The trespass brought death and the gift brings grace. The trespass brought death the gift brings grace. So Adam brought death, separation, humanity, and Jesus invades humanity with his grace and his life, perfection, rising from the dead, and in him we are redeemed, all right? So the idea is that Jesus' death is far superior to the work of Adam. Okay, because we would all agree it's easier to mess things up than to fix them. This, this stage behind me, it was not like this a few weeks ago. It was a lot of stuff here. Most of us would have the skills somewhat to come to this stage and break it and destroy it. But it takes a special someone to do this. And that special someone has been uh, Brad and, and our uh, congregation who has been doing this framing as a very skilled carpenter. Basically, Brad's like Jesus is what I'm getting at. <laughs> we can break stuff easy, but we need Brad to fix it. And the idea is Adam, in him we're all ruined. 
But the greater work is in Jesus, his perfect life, his, his death, and his resurrection. Adam messed things up, but Christ does the harder work of restoration. And it says at the very end of verse 15, it says that this grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. That's the language of abounding or superabounding, that he's rescued us from this ruin, forgiveness, relationship with God, and power to change. All right, so there's the first contrast. Now here's the second contrast. The trespass brought condemnation versus the gift which brings justification, all right? So the trespass brought condemnation versus the gift that brings justification. Well, let's see the contrast here. Verse 16. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. All right, let's... Let's skip down to verse 18. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous." So Jesus' impact and work on history goes above and beyond Adam's. Adam committed one sin that brought condemnation. Just to, to pop off some verses, verse 16 said one man's sin. Verse 18 says one transgression. Verse 19 said one man's disobedience. So Adam's sin opened the floodgates and sin rushed in and ruined the world. Adam's sin had been imputed to humanity and has brought condemnation to all of us. But the work of Christ is greater. Once again, pop off some verses. Verse 18 says one act of righteousness. Verse 19 says one man's obedience. So through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, his act of obedience and obeying the laws of God, we are saved. And the Bible says we are justified. Now, I want to explain that for a second because we get kind of messed up in our thinking on justification. We say justification means just as if I'd never sinned. Well, yeah, sort of, kind of. There's forgiveness when we think about justification in Christ. But the more appropriate thing to say, justification means just as if I had never sinned and kept the law of God perfectly. That's the fullness of justification where we are not only forgiven our sins, but we are given the righteousness of Christ that the Father views through faith you as obeying the law perfectly. He has imputed the righteousness of Christ. That's a big word, right? Imputed the righteousness of Christ. Basically, it says the Father sees you as fully obedient. Now, that's really hard for us to grasp because we know we're not fully obedient and yet that's the way the Father views us. And so there's many ways to explain this. Historically, the, the idea is to explain it through a, a big uh, pile of a, a dunghill or a big pile of poop 
okay? You have this dunghill that you can imagine uh, on a farm that just kind of piles up and you're, and you're savoring it to fertilize when it's time to fertilize. It, it's just huge. It's nasty. It, it's smelly. And, and as we enter winter, sometimes there's a huge snowfall. And as the snow comes down in abundance, it blankets the countryside and it totally covers the dunghill. And the idea there is that the dunghill is viewed as white as snow, okay? But it's not, in, not part of the dunghill. That's the idea. The Father sees us as righteous in Christ. And you may think, well, am I just a big pile of poop or what? I don't see how this correlates. No, he sees you righteous in Christ. And if the metaphor continued, we would see that we're, we're forgiven, we're being changed. He's making us more and more like Jesus. But the idea of justification doesn't mean there's something inside of you that is cooperating with God that's somehow gonna work out your salvation. It's seeing you and saying, I love you. You're perfect in Christ. And out of that acceptance, you obey. You don't obey to get accepted. No, I, I already accept you. And so what we're basically getting at is this is the heart of the gospel. This is the greatest news I could possibly be telling you that in Christ, on the cross, you're forgiven and you're also justified by his active obedience to the law. Forgiven, declared righteous greatest news we can possibly proclaim that sinners like us can be saved. It's the best news. Now, I wonder if, if some of us, somehow we, we hear this so much growing up in church, and I wonder if some of us, we don't really value the heart of the gospel. We don't value, and you're like, I've never even thought about Jesus actively obeying the laws is mine, justification, and we don't really value it. There was this artist, maybe you've heard of him, maybe not, called Banksy. And Banksy was trying to determine if people knew how to value art for art or if they just valued it because other people valued it. So he set up this little, little shop on a, on a street with his art among all the other art vendors, okay? He wasn't working the, the little table himself, but he was selling his art. And all day... All day it was out there. People walked by Banksy's art, which basically is, is worth millions, okay? And he was selling it for like 60 bucks or something. People walking by, walking by. And throughout the whole day, they made about two to four sales total. Even one customer uh, talked, to, talked the vendor down to half price. They didn't value what they saw. And then when you say, oh, you got a Banksy, oh, okay, I'll value it because other people value it. And, and I'm just wondering if, if that's you here this morning. Like, we're talking about the gospel, the greatest news ever. Do you value it? Is this important to you? Or you're like, well, I guess it must be important. There's other people here and they seem to be into it, so I guess I'll get into it. My brothers and sisters, you're saved through Jesus, forgiven of your life that you've made a ruin and a wreck of. You're saved through Jesus, greatest news ever. And that is what we're supposed to value. But we're not done. Mm -mm. We gotta move on to the reign of Christ. Paul's not done, here we go. Verse 17, jump into verse 17. 
says, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. All right. So the gift is greater, but has a limited application. And the application of the gift only applies, as you notice it there, to those who receive it. You have to receive the abundance of grace and the free gift. You may, must receive this gift if you want to reign in life with Jesus. It's not like, okay, in Adam, we're all dead. And then in Christ, we're all uh, alive. Everybody on this, that's ever lived on this earth is now forgiven in Jesus. And it doesn't work like that. It's something you must receive. You must believe and put your faith in Jesus for this gospel to apply to you. And the good news is, for those of you who are in Christ, that work he started in you, he'll finish it to the day of Christ Jesus. You may have ups and downs, trusting and obeying, but we must believe that through the salvation of Jesus, he brought some actual change into our life that we can be changing and, and, and he's, he's filled us with his spirit and we can walk in holiness. We can live a life of repentance and faith daily. We have to believe that, right, right? Okay, but what if you think, no, that's not the way it works. The way that we, we, we grow is we just throw out a lot of rules and that's gonna fix it. Well, let's see how that works. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Okay, so let's just stop here for a second. Many in Israel thought the law could fix the sin problem. And yet we're told that the law came in so that the transgression would increase. So the law, rather than restraining sin, increased and highlighted sin. It's, someone said it's like a, uh, a transparency that's, that's red. Now, for those of you who are, are younger, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but maybe you've heard of an overhead projector, right? Okay, overhead projector, project up on the screen. Well, take a red transparency, stick it on the overhead projector, and the argument is the law is the projector and the screen, because once it's flipped on, you can see the red projected. That's what the law does. The law came and it reveals our sin. It says so that the, the trespass can increase. So some people think that if we can just get back to the law, then that would change us. That if we can just get back our country, if we, our country can once again start obeying the, when did our country obey the 10 commandments, okay? When was that exactly? And we think, well, no, no, law's gonna change us. No, you gotta have laws, right? But the law doesn't save anybody. It increases, it exposes sin, and the law is to drive us to Christ. It's Christ who changes us. It's Christ that revolutionizes our, our life. And so if you're trying to get out of your whatever you're in right now by beating yourself over the head with law, 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 you know there is forgiveness in the grace of Jesus. His love is abounding to you, and out of that love, you can obey. Very important distinction. Very important distinction. 
Verse 20, 21, once again, so the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness, through eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that, where, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So what will conquer the ruling power of sin in your life? Well, it's, clearly, it's talking about the grace of Jesus. His grace declared you righteous. And sin no longer has to dominate because it says grace has abounded all the more. Once again, I'm going to tell you something, okay? There's some, some scholar that wants to talk about this superabounding terminology, which would have registered with Paul's Roman audience. They might be thinking about uh, the rule of Caesar Augustus and his propaganda that highlights his awesomeness in his reign. And Paul says, the grace of Jesus is greater and super abounding beyond the puny reign of Caesar. And I would say that most of us in our society is surrounded by propaganda of the reign of sin. And I want you to know that the reign of sin that looks so appealing to us at times is puny, it leads to death, and it's temporary. And yet the grace of God found in Jesus Christ is far superior leading to life. Now I want to tell you how awesome this is. I was talking to my my wife this week and um, she's basically telling me, uh, she was living the dream. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So when she was younger, she would have stuffed animals in her bed. I did too. Anybody else have stuffed animals in your bed? Right. Uh, you don't want to admit it, do you? But I had a lot of them, okay? So she's sitting in, in our bed this week. She's reading or something. And she looks and in the bed is our real dog and three real cats. She's living the dream, right? And some of you are thinking, no, she's not. No, she is. She's living the dream. But it's not like she's going to say, okay, forget the dream. Let's get rid of the real animals and break back the stuffed animals. My brothers and sisters, we're living the dream in Christ. We have life. This is real. Why would we want to replace it with the fake stuff the world off? Why do we want to do that? We are living the dream in the gospel of Jesus, forgiveness, justification, the love of God. Don't replace it with the junk of the world. In Adam, all's ruined. In Christ, all's restored. And of course, the first question I should ask is, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Have you received grace? Isn't it amazing that you're coming to church and I'm not telling you, you better change and fix yourself and point the finger at you. No, you're coming to church and you're hearing that you can be forgiven of your sin, filled with the spirit, receive grace and love. And out of that, you live forever and you can change. It's a very distinct message that's rooted in the gospel of grace. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And the second question I guess I want to ask is, um, who's ruling and changing you, Adam or Christ? 
Who is ruling and changing you? So many times we can get so hopeless and think I can never change. One day, I, I'm not kidding, this happened one day. I was, I was, this one guy came to see me and he was talking about immorality in his own life. And I said, brother, I, I know what you're talking about. I know my history. I know things can seem impossible that you're never gonna live a life of purity. But I said, brother, in Jesus It's real, we can change. And then two hours later, no joke, another guy came in, never met him before, exact same story. Now what should I say to these guys? Oh, you're just guys. That's what guys do. That's always what guys do. Guys are just so stupid. It's okay, you're you're a guy, that's what you're gonna do. No, do we believe the gospel changes us? Do we believe there's hope and grace in Jesus to change? And we gotta preach that message, of course, to the world, but we need to preach that message to ourselves that there is change, love, forgiveness in Jesus. That's hope right there. Yeah, in Adam, I'll die. But we're in Christ. And we're gonna live forever. And we're not perfect. We make foolish decisions but there's forgiveness and grace. By the power of his Holy Spirit, we can change. And that can give us hope right there. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922 0404 by God's Meanwhile, word. have a blessed day as you walk along the way 